Welcome to the Beastified Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. This is a show dedicated to inspiring you to treat your body and mind the way it should be treated. Each week we delve deep with some of the brightest and most forward-thinking out-of-the-box minds in health, consciousness, mindset and spirituality. Our intention is to fuse and unlock the conscious warrior within and shift the balance in the current paradigm. Deep and often intense, these conversations are released every Wednesday and are designed to inspire, educate, motivate and encourage you to discover, uncover, unlock and unleash your potential. In this episode of the Beastified Podcast, we're joined by Michael Sanders, who joins us for his second appearance on the podcast. When Michael was last on the podcast, we talked about the benefits of ayahuasca and dug into the value of the secret plant medicine. But in this episode, Michael goes into very deep detail about his experience in the jungle and his journey through ayahuasca. The journey that Michael explains in this podcast is such fascinating and detailed and really takes you to place in your own mind as the listener. But we're now going to jump into the episode and hopefully you'll enjoy. Hey, how's it going, guys? You all right? You doing all right? Yeah, hey, Michael. Fantastic. How are you guys? Well, great, Michael. We're absolutely fantastic. So, Michael, is it all right if we get your story again on ayahuasca? Is that okay? Yeah, that's great. Oh, great. So, Michael, we'd just would love to just ask you, is, obviously, during your ayahuasca experience, what was your experience like and what happened during it? So, I was um, at the start of at the start of 2013. I was going through some really dark fatigue. Um, I was working as the vice president of my advertising agency as the co-founder of a startup in the gaming industry, and I was training athletically and intensely about 14 times per week, and I drove myself into a really dark hole in which I had zero energy, no libido, and just no vigor for life. I would sleep 10 to 12 hours each night. And I would wake up feeling exhausted and, um, you know, I would be going into my advertising agency, not showing up until like noon and just having to leave at 3.30 and feeling exhausted. And uh, the only thing that was making me feel, you know, any sense of energy was to then train athletically and intensely again. It it sort of became an an addiction and an obsession. And um, so I actually resolved that I was going to put a bullet in my brain if I couldn't figure out uh, this darkness Wow. Over the course of the next two years. So I, I wasn't ready to like call it quits just yet, but I'm like, if I, if, if this persists longer than two years, like this life isn't worth living is the conclusion I came to. Um, so I started consulting with a naturopath who got me to focus on play and to develop a meditation practice. So I developed a daily meditation practice, which has continued for the last, um, I guess, uh, two or three years years now, I think almost three years now, and, um, uh, and to really focus on play. So to, um, to rediscover the reason I had fallen in love with movement in the first place. So, you know, I would start doing things more like dance and just rock climbing for fun instead of being more, instead of being so regimented with like my weightlifting yeah. and gymnastic strength training protocol and actually taking rest days and relaxing. So he had yeah. me at the start. He's like, I know this is going to be really difficult for you, but instead of training 14 to times per week. I want you to cap it at a maximum of five times per week. And he's like, and I never want you to go at maximum intensity for the next while. 
um, which was, I mean, to the average listener, I guess that pro- it probably sounds ridiculous. I mean, even hearing it like, oh, you can only train five times per week, like that, that's a lot. But to me, that was like this big blow that I was receiving at the time. And, um, but fortunately, it, adopting that practice and relaxing more, it allowed me to rediscover why I had fallen in love with movement in the first place. And that's largely because it feels really good and it makes you appreciate this physical reality in your body and how capable it is of things. And it really helps. So instead of feeling so exhausted all the time it's like wow I actually have this cool like meat sack vehicle that I'm exploring space through and I can use it and have fun with it um so yes so rediscovering that love for movement uh play meditation really helped and so I was actually it took me about three or four months and then I was feeling like myself again and um and then I went to Burning Man for the first time in August of 2013 which in and of itself was one of the most profound and transformative experiences in my life which I could write a whole book about uh, that as well, but I'll just I'll skip over that for now. And it was upon return to Toronto that um, from Burning Man that my best friend Sid um, had asked me, he's like, hey, Michael, what are you doing for New Year's this year? And uh, I'm like, well, I don't know. It's only September right now. Uh, what do you have in mind? And he's like, well, Isaac, like, I want to do something different. I don't want to just go to a house party and drink. I, I want to explore. So I'm like, okay, like, what are you thinking? He says, well, my friend Dan has been, organizing or has been running these expeditions throughout South America for the last four years and for the last year he's been focused around the Amazonian tradition of the plant medicine ayahuasca and he's like have you heard of it and uh, I had I had heard Joe Rogan and Aubrey Marcus talking about it on a podcast in early 2012 and uh, when I first heard them speaking about it I knew that at some point I was going to go down to the jungle and drink this strange psychedelic brew I just didn't know when it would happen so then when Sid was bringing it up to me in September of 2013 I was like before he even finished saying his sentence I'm like yeah man I'm in like don't care about the details like I'm in so um so Sid another one of our best friends Carl and I uh traveled down to the Amazonian jungle on um Boxing Day uh December 26th of 2013 and we met up with Dan and some other amazing people um on that trip and we trekked through the Amazon jungle for about seven days which was so grounding and so beautiful and just I I had never experienced the jungle in that capacity before. And it was, you know, like we're encountering like wild animals that I had never seen before. So like tarantulas, all sorts of vipers, different snakes, like iguanas, sloths, um, slugs, like just trekking through the jungle is a magical experience. And Mm -hmm. feeling this, like, feeling this motherly maternal presence that the Amazon jungle is, and also feeling like connected with an infinite vastness that the Amazon presents like when you're in it there is no end to it like you can't even imagine it ending it's like the universe itself and um so then on new year's eve of 2013 we arrived to new Reo, which are the the ceremonial grounds where we were having our ayahuasca ceremonies so uh we get to the ceremonial grounds and the shaman sort of uh they speak with us um just sort of give us a little uh debrief on what will be happening um, during the ceremony, and they're, they're referring to ayahuasca as mother ayahuasca and as this intelligent female entity. And at the time, I sort of thought they were speaking in metaphor and that it was some indigenous folklore. Um, and uh, later, my thinking on that would, would certainly change. But I had also been practicing a particular diet for the last uh, 10 or 14 days, which avoided all um, salt, sugars, all spices, 
um, red meat. So it's basically all you can eat is um, uh, chicken, white fish, uh, some vegetables, and some fruit. Um, and oh, there's also no sex, no alcohol, no drugs, no orgasm, um, because ayahuasca it, it's said to when you abstain from all those things that you're better able to connect with the plant. And um, even of that diet, I was of the need to modify my nutrition because I was already eating really healthy and I couldn't understand, you know, oh, why, why do I need to cut out nuts, for example, um, to like have this experience. So it, it didn't make like nutritional or scientific sense to me, but I also appreciated the fact that if I'm going to travel all the way down to the jungle, I'm going to respect their customs and, uh, and practice them. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then on, uh, on New Year's Eve, we take this uh, flower bath at about four in the afternoon. So you rub these fragrant flowers all over your body. And um, th again, they're designed to protect against dark spirits and open you up more to the plant. So again, something that is completely foreign to me seems sort of woo-woo, but I'm like, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm here for the ceremony. I'm going to do it. And then at 6 p.m. that night, we did a yin yoga in which we were holding positions for three minutes each to really open ourselves up um, spiritually to the plant. And then, um, so between seven, Seven and eight, a, uh, a thunderstorm starts rolling through um, the jungle where we are, and we're inside of this. So at 8 p.m., the ceremony starts, and we're inside of this. It's a building called the Maloka, which is this beautiful, um, this beautiful dome made out of intricate woodworking with screen windows and about a 40 or 45 foot tall ceiling at the center. And um, so the rain is pitter pattering against the roof of the Maloka, and lightning and thunder are flashing and sounding throughout up the air and it's just like I'm really recognizing that this is not just about me like the, this is some rite of passage that I'm about to experience and it seems as though the whole universe is conspiring to make it a special experience and um, so also with ayahuasca our shamans encouraged us to um, set an intention um, for our ceremony so for my first ceremony my intention was to determine why the startup I had been working Working on, which was called I Wager That at the time, I was trying to determine um, why it hadn't been as successful as I would have hoped. So whether that was a fear I needed to overcome, did I need to push harder and work harder to make I Wager That a success, or was the startup's lack of success my intuition telling me that I Wager That wasn't the right fit for me? And then I had a second intuition, or sorry, a second intention of trying to retrain certain neuromuscular pathways in my body because I was experiencing um, some discomfort in the upper left side of my back. And I had attributed it to past athletic injuries um, that I was no, that I knew were no longer anatomically um, incorrect, but I just felt as though my mind was remembering past injuries and then um, expressing symptoms of discomfort. So I wanted to relearn that so that I could overcome um, that, that feeling in the, the side of my uh, the left side of my upper back. So I had those two intentions, and the shaman, uh, one shaman, Ermohanes, pours this brown earthy liquid into a cup, um, and it's warm, and uh, hands it to me, and he whispers something to the plant, and I'm the first to go up uh, to drink. There's, there's about eight people that are with us, and then three shamans and two facilitators. Um, so I'm the first to go up to drink. I drink it. It tastes sort of 
like a green shake without any berries in it. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of bitter, but it's not horrible. You certainly wouldn't seek it out for its flavor alone, but I didn't mind it at all. So I, I drink the, the ayahuasca and then I go back and I sit down in a meditative pose on my mattress as the others go up one by one to drink their ayahuasca. And because I'm well-versed with psychedelics at, at that point, and even more so now, but um, I knew that I didn't want to just be sitting there waiting impatiently for the onset of the, the effects. So I decided I was going to meditate and reflect chronologically upon my year of 2013. And um, because it had been the most teaching year of my life, and I'd grown and learned a lot. And so I'm sitting there and I, I'm meditating and I'm going through each month, you know, January, February, March, all the different things that I've learned. And I get to about the month of October, so it's taken me about 30 minutes to arrive to this point. And then I feel this warm, this fire shoot up the right side of my body. And uh, just instinctively and intuitively, I telepathically broadcast. So it's like I'm sort of thinking this out loud into the whole universe. I say, Mother Ayahuasca, can you please give me five more minutes as I finish my reflection upon the year of 2013? I think it's really important that I do so. And then I feel this voice, this presence respond by saying, yes, my child, take your time and let me know when you're ready. And then the fire recedes down my arm. And wow. I thrash my head to the right and the left. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm talking with a plant right now. Because, you know, I had heard what the shamans had said about it being this female entity. But as I mentioned, I thought they were speaking in metaphor. And I was not expecting that I would speak you know, telepathically broadcast in that sense and refer to her as Mother Ayahuasca, but sh sure enough, yeah. it was happening. So then I quickly and in intensely finished my reflection upon the uh, year of 2013. And um, so it takes me about another five minutes. And then again, instinctively and intuitively, I, I telepathically broadcast Mother Ayahuasca. I finished my reflection upon the year and uh, I'm ready to welcome you into my mind, into my body and into my soul. And uh, I'm open to whatever it is you want to show me, and I hope to learn a lot from you, and maybe you'll even learn something from me. So welcome. And at that point, the fire then comes up and fills the right side of my body, expands across my chest into my left arm, down my torso, and fills my legs. And so my whole body is just filled with this warm, this fire. And I feel this beautiful like maternal presence and then at that moment these purple and green beams of light emerge off in the distance to my right and they look like aurora borealis like the northern lights so i'm blinking and just opening and closing my eyes and thinking like what the hell like where how did the northern lights get inside of the maloka and i'm asking myself I'm like, is this a hallucination like am i being shown something that's in another dimension or did like even in the third dimension and did, he's, did Aurora Borealis come inside of this Maloka because they were wow. so vibrant and sitting there. So I then shift my gaze to the left away from the purple and green beams of light in an in a attempt to test their objectivity. So I look over to the left and I maintain my gaze over there for about the next 45 seconds. And, then, and by the time I look back, the purple and green beams of light have progressed in their movement towards me. So they were now only a few feet away from me. And it was at that moment I determined that they were an objective entity that was operating independently of my uh, subjective gaze so it was like a cloud floats through the sky like doesn't matter whether you're looking at it or not it's going to continue on in its movement mm. um, so then the purple and green beams of light wrap themselves around me and I look down in my meditative pose and I'm like holy shit like I'm bathing in northern lights right now 
And then they turn me over onto my left side into the fetal position. And it is the most comforting feeling that I've ever felt in my life. The most beautiful maternal prowess and presence I've encountered. And like no disrespect to my biological mother, but this was the greatest mother I had ever encountered. And um, it, it felt like I was in the womb. And so I'm lying there and this is only about 40 or 45 minutes into my first ayahuasca ceremony. And I'm feeling so peace that I'm ready to doze off to sleep. And I say to myself, I'm like, if this is all the ayahuasca experience is, like, I'm totally cool with that. Because I felt like it had healed so many traumas just in that feeling of unconditional and maternal yeah. love. And so then I'm about to doze off. And Ermohan, as the shaman, he starts singing. And they sing these songs called Icaros, which his sort of sounded like so wah, so wah, wah, wah. And as uh-huh. he's singing, these orange and blue shapes emanate it from his mouth and start expanding to fill my entire perceptual field so i'm looking as these orange and blue shapes are dancing to the rhythm of his song and they're just they're floating across the room and then ricardo the main shaman he starts singing his icaros and red purple and green shapes start emanating from his mouth and expanding to fill the perceptual field and then ercelia the final and only female shaman she starts singing and a full spectrum of colors explodes from her mouth more colors than there are in the rainbow, more colors than I've ever seen before, colors I don't have names for, and they start expanding. So all three shamans' songs are harmonizing in the audio space while they're also harmonizing in the visual space, together forming this audio and visual symphony before all of my senses. And all of the colorful shapes are combining with one another to create this cloud-like entity that's filling most of my perceptual field, and I'm receiving this telepathic impartation that this cloud is a dimension that the ayahuasca is telling me, Michael, this cloud is a dimension that it always exists. It's always around you, but you just haven't been conscious of it in your human state yet. And so at that moment, the purple and green beams of light push me up towards the cloud and and into the cloud and they sever behind me like an umbilical cord severs. But I feel this this voice say to me, don't worry, my child, like you're safe. I'm here with you the whole time if you need protection, but I want you to go and explore. So I enter this cloud-like entity and I then these three what I call humanoid spirits float into the right side of my perceptual field. And there's three of them. They're all female. They're about two and a half feet tall. They have dark bodies and they look a lot like little people and so they have dark bodies outlined in the most vibrant colors I've ever seen before so one was vibrant red another was vibrant yellow and another was vibrant pink and they were all wearing these cloaks and I had never experienced anything like this in my life like I've never encountered a being of another dimension so I'm looking at these things floating just as real as you guys sitting beside each other right now and looking at each other you know like it was as real as that and I'm like, holy shit, like, wh- what is happening? So I try testing their objectivity, and I shift my gaze over to the left, and I'm trying to determine whether or not they're real, if I'm hallucinating, or what the hell is happening. And so I, I shift my gaze over to the left, and then they float from the right side of my perceptual field over to the left, and they, they telepathically communicate with me. They're like, aren't you interested in, in what we have to share? Like, we want to we wanna interact with you. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm interested in the beings of other dimensions that want to hang out with me. So um, I, start, I start allowing them. And so all of the communication in this realm is telepathic. And I like to use the analogy 
analogy of uh, imagine you are trying to articulate in words the feeling of falling in love to your best friend. So you can say whatever you want, um, and your friend might be able to intellectually wrap their mind around it, but unless they've felt the feeling of falling in love, then your words aren't actually going to do it justice. But now imagine you can take your experience of falling in love and planted inside of him, then he knows what that feeling's like. So that's what all the communication is like in this realm. It's beyond language. So these three humanoid spirits, all female, are showering me with love. And just like, it's just so uplifting and beautiful. And I even have this notion that, um, because at the time I had a girlfriend back in Toronto, I was like, whoa, am I committing some act of infidelity by like interacting with these female beings of another dimension? And they assured me, because they could they saw all my thoughts and they're like no it's okay like we're not romantic in nature it's not sexual we're more like motherly and grandmotherly and sisterly type of love and um so they're showering me with love and then i see um this next spirit i look over to the left and he sort of has a a teddy bear's body and a horse's head and he's outlined in a vibrant red and he has this massive glowing heart behind him that i can't see with my eyes but that i can sense with my soul and he is articulating this grand fatherly and brotherly and best friend kind of love and then I see what I um, these like six or seven worm-like tubes stacked on top of one another that look like mitochondria from um, my biology class textbooks in high school for anyone that uh, can remember those but it looks like the drawings of mitochondria so I I refer to them as mitos and um, they would glow a bright blue and then as the blue luminosity would recede I could see that they had these big white eyes with black pupils and then they would glow a bright red and then the color would recede and I could see their uh, white eyes again and I recognized that these mitos had an intimate connection with the gut flora inside of my body and the organisms that live inside of me so then at that point um, these what looked like do you guys remember the Furby dolls did they have those over in the yeah yeah Yeah, so they looked like these little white almost Furby like creatures that floated up from my intestines and my stomach and into this cloud-like dimension. And they were my gut flora. So they start, my gut flora start communicating with me. And they're like, Michael, like your body isn't just your own, but it's a vessel for billions, trillions of different spirits. And um, you want to make your body as welcoming as possible to the right kinds of spirits, to the light spirits, because we influence your thinking, your behavior, your mood, and everything and they're like you're doing a great job like keep up with your meditation practice keep up with your movement practice and your nutrition and they're like in some more tips to help you they're like focus even more on play like you you don't have to be so hard on yourself um you'll be even stronger if you just like relax a little more and um and and they were like in a a couple more tips they're like stop eating dark chocolate and stop eating pork and i was like okay like i thought both those (laughs) things were healthy and they're like well it can be, but um, not for you on your personal journey. And then at that moment, they showed me like an out-of-body experience, sort of, it was a time travel. They showed me the entire month of December leading up to that ceremony and November. I had been eating two or three squares of dark chocolate before every play or training session or movement session that I had done. And then they would show me, they would show me eating the chocolate, and then they would show me my sleep that night from an out-of-body perspective. And though I thought I was sleeping well throughout the night, it showed me like tossing and turning and I was restless throughout the night. And they were saying like, it's, it's the chocolate that's doing this to you. And I was like, okay. 
And so it's interesting because now it's now been um, almost two full years later and I haven't purchased dark chocolate for myself once. And I used to eat it every day, but it just like flipped the switch in my head to, for me to no longer even desire that. And that's not to say like if I'm at somebody's house and they offer me a piece of dark chocolate, like I'll have it. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. But I no longer feel that desire for it. And then I was and then I'm thinking, OK, like what about the pork? And then they showed me memories stemming back from to when I was four years old. Wow. And uh, particularly when eating bacon, it showed me like all these scenarios of me eating bacon and then this inevitable lethargy that would follow for like pretty, pr- pretty strong. Only for about three to four hours where I would feel lethargic. And then they, it showed me that it was like a low grade lethargy and inflammation would persist for the next few days. So it was like, yeah, just like stop eating pork. It's not the best food for you. And so, again, I haven't purchased pork once in the last uh, two years. And that's just for me. Right. Like, that's not to say that dark chocolate and pork isn't good for somebody else um Mm -hmm. but it was really cool how they were showing uh, my gut flora was communicating these things with me and um so then i start exploring this new dimension a little bit more and i start seeing that there are just spirits unto infinity and these beings of other dimensions are everywhere and and they're infinite in degree infinite expression infinite in number so i'm encountering things that look like flowers others that look like trees and different plants others that look like fish or serpents or bears or all sorts of different animals others that look like rocks and then so many shapes that I have no name for because I had never encountered them before in my human life and what's interesting is that each of these different beings or spirits was articulating um, or sorry was communicating a different articulation of love collectively articulating love as a whole and showing me that the fabric of our universe is love that it's the creative force beyond all things. It's responsible for the Big Bang and all of its predecessors. It's responsible for the birth of every child. It's responsible for the creation of every beautiful work of art and, and the creation of all things in human and otherwise in our dimension and others. That love is the fabric of our universe. Um, so that feeling and that understanding was being imparted into me and has since instilled me with a very deep sense of peace and love and the evolving recognition that that unconditional love is the best thing that I can embody and be. And what I always try to strive for is unconditional love because that's what will make our world a more beautiful place and liberate people from the fears and the limiting beliefs that virtually all of us hold. Um, So it's like, you know, in a nutshell, it's like love is the answer. Um, And so that was obviously a really profound thing to experience. And, um, you know, this is only like probably 55 minutes into my first ayahuasca ceremony. And uh, I ended up spending 18 hours over the course of three different ceremonies under ayahuasca's care. Um, so there's, you know, a lot more to it. And that's what I, I, my book goes into full detail and takes the reader through every one of the ceremonies. So it's, you know, I've, I've given about one eighteenth of what happens, um, uh-huh. but like just for the, the sake of time and I won't go into full detail because it's like it's a five-hour conversation if I if I tell the whole thing and why I wrote the book right so I could share it with more people that way um, um, but that's just like a little bit about it and you know the revelations I mean that, that's just the tip of the iceberg like it's uh, yeah. it was yeah. truly the most profound experience of my life at, at that time and I continue to learn from ayahuasca every single day of my life and at this point I have no intention of drinking 
ayahuasca again because I'm very clear on uh, what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. And um, so that's not to say that I won't drink ayahuasca. You know, maybe I'll feel the inclination five or ten years down the road, but right now I, I have no plans to drink it again. Yeah. Well, wow. Michael, like I can't even grasp the magnitude of that journey that you went on there. Like it was honestly unprofound. Un- really, it was just mind blown. Like literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> What's happening, man? Like the whole time, my jaw was dropped, both figuratively and literally. I was like, "What the fuck? Like this is <laughs> just so different than what I thought the universe was." And it's yeah. not, you know, like I had had mushroom and LSD trips in the past, and where I had chalk these things up to uh, kind of like hallucinations and that it was my interpretation of reality was changing and also the recognition that there is no objective interpretation of reality because it's so dependent upon the subjective viewer's gaze and you know like even our planet looks radically different to me than it does to a bat like Mm. you perceive the world in sonar and it could even look radically different for me than it does for you um but but the, these experiences with the ayahuasca, it was like I, I was being shown realms and dimensions and an infinity that I previously had no conscious awareness of. Um, one of the things I did learn was that um, in, the, in this uh, space, the ayahuasca was saying, like, Michael, this is where you come from. Like, this is where you, you go when you die. This is where you always exist infinitely and we're always here for you like these beings these spirits were always part of your existence it's just that now for the first time you're you're consciously aware of it and oh it's also where you go when you dream and um it's interesting too right because like the scientific mind could be very skeptical of my knowings and understandings that the way you learn things and the way you experience things in these realms are it's it's beyond questioning and it's beyond doubt like it's i mean I know that these realms are real just as much as I know that I'm having this conversation with you right now. Yeah. And I mean, if I'm wrong about this conversation, well, then that's fine. But, but um, it's it's pretty it's a very profound realization to have. I was going to say as well. I think that some scientists may explain like everything is like mere hallucinations, but it's got to be something definitely more deeper than that. Yeah, totally. Definitely. And I mean, one thing like I've heard you know on Joe Rogan's podcast they talk about quite often is that like even if it is let's just dismiss it as a hallucination just because something is a hallucination doesn't mean that there isn't any value in it because you still experience that hallucination you still learn from it it's still a real experience to you and it's as real as any other experience is to you Mm -hmm. and i forget i forget what the origin of the word hallucination is but i think it's something worth looking up because it's like goes along with that that it's 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 of value. It's like, Michael, when you're in these realms, like, do these entities sort of take control of you or do you still control yourself? That's what I say. You still control yourself. Like they're, um, so it's paradoxical, right? They are independent of you. But my understanding of the universe is that everything is one and that, um, you know, all knowledge is self-knowledge and that you are the creator. God of reality and of the universe and that we all come from source and that we were once in a singularity state of complete Zen, but we wanted to experience things. So we burst out into the Big Bang or in um, the Big Bang is just one interpretation of it, but we burst out so that we could experience like the fire 
despair, the anger, the depression, the sadness, the love, the inspiration, the joy, the sex, the physicality. And so as source, we've split up into infinite different particles so that we can then recognize ourselves by interacting with one another. And, um, and that's not just, you know, me interacting with you guys, but that's also me interacting with a telephone pool yeah. or a, a particle of air or a blade of grass or things that I can't see that are floating around me all the time. Um, because my understanding of the universe is very multidimensional at this point. And I, I do interact with these beings and, um, just different entities on, on a daily basis. Like every day of my life is, is really a magical and wonderful and interesting journey. And it's all something that I've, I've recognized that the universe will only reveal to you what you can handle in that given moment. So at virtually everything I experience on a day-to-day basis now is something that I would have dismissed two years ago. Yeah, definitely. I'll find that as well. Yeah. And like, I'm sure you guys like probably see an increasing number of synchronicities in your life and how this magical story is all unfolding before you. And like the reality yeah. is, is that the whole universe is one synchronous thing. Like the conversation we're having with, uh, with each other right now influences a star in a galaxy that's millions of light years away from us because there's this ripple effect that exists throughout all of reality. And while the uh, Im- impact of it might not be recognized immediately, it does happen throughout space and time. It's all connected. So it's all synchronous. And like, I think one thing that's interesting about um, when we're on our missions as humans, um, we have goals and we sort of want things to happen immediately. Um, but I think uh, my understanding is that if you stick to your passions and you know that what you are doing is what you're supposed to be doing if you can come to that realization and come from a place of unconditional love and come from pure intentions that your your mission will manifest it just you might not understand exactly how it will manifest in the time scale in which it will manifest because the whole universe has to align in order for different things to 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 happen um so Mm -hmm. you know what's happening in that star in a, a million light years away from us has an impact on us as well so all these different and things align in order for us to experience our lives in the ways that we do see for me it feels like it feels like this whole form of consciousness is sort of like getting leaked out through this like program that's what i feel mm-hmm. like constantly through the day like obviously i have myself i haven't experienced ayahuasca but all through my life i've felt this like force within us sort of like leanness leanness towards this more expansion of consciousness in my mind mm-hmm. and and as it gets on more through the days i just feel like i'm this whole level of different form of reality i'm just seeing it more clearly every single day in my life yeah yeah Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I think the more you open up to it the more that it reveals itself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to you i think i think as well like when you were before when you were explaining about your visions as well i think it's absolutely amazing because it's certainly got to be some some form of intelligence or consciousness or even other mind or spirit in my opinion definitely mm-hmm. yeah it, it definitely so like as a human being it was independent of me i yeah. interacting with objective entities that I was previously unaware of. And I often say that ayahuasca is the most intelligent entity I've ever encountered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that could also be a bit due to the novelty of the experience because I had never seen that before. But without a doubt, it is incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. I think as well now, which something I'm really appreciating is that many people are now like waking up. Yeah. The fact that like we live in this multidimensional spiritual universe where like conscious is like the primary like primary like key, and there's like loads of different like levels of this different reality that we can't fully understand yet, but it it's there. You know what I mean? Totally, man. That's, 
absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I mean, so it's also interesting because like ayahuasca is working on a very cosmic level, um, and just I don't know if I mentioned this in the last when in our previous interview, but um, I've become uh, a partner in Lovelution, which is yeah, okay. Yeah, so like everyone who's a co-creator of Lovelution, we recently realized that we had all drank ayahuasca in the past year and a half. And it's just like, she's what brought us together. And it feels as though we're on this divine mission to infuse humanity and the universe with love. And often like with what we're doing with our celebrations on the dance floor, it's like, we're almost just getting out of our own way and allowing it to happen. And like the magic that continues to unfold on a daily basis is blowing all of our minds, but we've all come to this point of acceptance and understanding that there are Th- that the whole universe is working in our favor. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it is a different level of consciousness. And you're right, it is it is spreading. It is. Mm. It's, like, it's like the universe is working with you, mm-hmm. not against you. And that's what a lot of people misunderpret about this whole thing. They, they believe that sometimes a lot of things go against them, where it's, nothing really goes against you, but everything goes for you. It's just how your interpretations of it is. Totally, man. Yeah, you worded that beautifully. Because, I mean, you are the universe. Like, you are the whole thing. And you're just you're perceiving and understanding yourself in these separate entities and these different forms. But you are the whole thing. So there's nothing that can go wrong. There's nothing that can go against you because you're all of it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a huge way of looking at it, isn't it? Yeah. It really is mind-blowing to think of it and that's such a... Such that context. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I find it very peaceful too, because I mean, then it doesn't matter if you die, for example, right? Because like, I think that's one of the biggest human fears is death. But the understanding that you're human, this current articulation, this current human form, it ceases to exist in the way that it does. But like your consciousness persists, you as the universe continue on and you evolve. So that death isn't the end of anything. It's just the evolution onto something different. And I like the the quote um, that the caterpillar thought his life was over and then he became a butterfly. Yeah. Mm. So I just reborn, that's what it is, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah, you just change. I mm. think as well, a lot of people, obviously, of experiences I've heard of ayahuasca is, so ayahuasca takes you to your death and then it shows you your death mm-hmm. and then you realise that you've got nothing left. <laughs> well, then you, then you actually realise that there's this whole new dimension out there that you can actually tap into. Totally. And I mean, that's complete freedom, right? Like when you recognize, like when you can see your own death and you can experience your own death and you see how beautiful it is and that nothing really ends and you continue on, it's like, wow, I created this whole reality so that I can play in and celebrate and experience. Mm -hmm. I like to say to people as well that people people have this like people a lot of people have this fear of dying but at the end of the day it's all energy and energy never dies yeah it just never it always it's always constantly going all the time it just never dies yeah until obviously you, when, when you try and explain that to someone they can't fully feel it because your your consciousness is different to theirs totally yeah man and that's like that's where the power of storytelling comes in and where i've recognized um one of my gifts is that like when telling stories um and even more so in person with eye to eye contact, it's like different people uh, need to hear different things to relate. So the conversation that I have with you about ayahuasca might differ differ from the conversation that I have with somebody in let's 
say, a corporate environment about ayahuasca or just based yeah. on what I think I know about their understanding of reality. But it's like this labyrinth that you navigate through and there's a key to unlock everyone's understanding and to allow them to wake up. And this isn't to suggest that I'm trying to convert people to this way of thinking, but I would like to liberate people from their limiting beliefs and from their fears and their anxieties and of, you know, their concerns about death. And because just so many people are living in a world in which they feel obliged to do the things they're doing. Um, and they're not necessarily recognizing that everything is a choice and that they are completely free to however they want. And it doesn't matter what, you know, they've been taught growing up and what they've been programmed to believe as reality. They're truly yeah. free to live how they want. Mm. See, and I, I think, mm. go ahead. I was going to say that me and Chris haven't experienced ayahuasca, mm -hmm. but we can fully we can fully feel in our heart and something deep inside us that what you're saying is real because we can feel it because we're starting to understand this whole realm of consciousness without even like taking ayahuasca, mm -hmm. but we can just totally feel and believe what you're saying. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, it's not as though everyone needs to drink ayahuasca, right? Like, maybe mm -hmm. you guys m might not. Maybe it's not part of your life. And um, yeah. there's plenty of people who are. Full, like live these beautiful peaceful lives where they have this understanding about their place in the universe yeah. and the way it works and they, they don't need to drink the plant medicine and then for others ayahuasca is part of their journey and everybody's mm -hmm. different so like if you feel a calling towards it i think it's worth exploring and if you don't mm, yeah. that's totally cool and there's no need to force it that just like leads me on to something i'd like to ask you like michael which is um after you before after you went through your ayahuasca experience did you feel complete or did you feel like the journey was just beginning in a sort of sense? Both. Um, it's, oh. it's like the, the, it's interesting. Like the universe is a paradox, right? Because it's all one, but then we're all separate as well. And so for me, I felt totally complete and totally at peace that I had awakened into my divinity and recognized myself as source energy and of the creator of all things. And then also Recognizing like, okay, now it's time to share this and now it's time to help others step into their divinity and now it's time to fulfill the, the goals and desires that you've always had that you know will be beneficial to humanity and the universe as a whole. So then it was at that moment that I knew I was writing my book, Ayahuasca and Executives Enlightenment. And I, you know, like the ayahuasca said to me, which I didn't uh, get to in telling the story earlier, but... There was this um, moment in which the um, so I, I sort of I went to my I, I was exploring these different realms and there's a lot to it. But let's say about two and a half, three hours into my first ceremony, I then felt myself being guided towards my intention. And um, so about why I, the startup I wager that hadn't achieved the success I had wanted it to. And so then I'm shown this vision of a man that's made of white porcelain and he punches his arms up and then out to the side and explodes upwards through a swamp. And he has all these chains and heavy skin on him. And then he just deshackles all of the chains and sheds all of the skin. And then he punches his arms up and out to the side and explodes through another one of the same swamp and deshackles more chains and sheds more skin. And then he punches his arms up and punches his arms up to the side. And he does this 10 times through 10 of the same swamp. And I'm hearing, I wager that over and over again in my head. And I'm receiving the telepathic impartation that like, I, I wager that isn't for you. Like, let it go. Yeah, you've put two years into it, but it's a beautiful learning experience. You grew a lot from it. Just let it go. It's not part of your journey. So in that very moment, 
a startup I had invested two years into, I just let it go. I was like, okay, it's done. I just need to have the conversation with my business partner. And then I asked the ayahuasca, okay, like if I'm not working on this startup, then what should I be doing? Because at the time I was the vice president of my advertising agency, but I also knew that that wasn't the be all and end all of my life. Like I knew I I wouldn't be in that field forever. Um, so I'm like, so what is it I'm supposed to do? And then the ayahuasca said, Michael, you've always wanted to write, like you've always wanted to write um, a great book. And uh, that's, that's what you need to do. You should write a book. And I was like, okay, but if, you know, if I knew how to make a living out of writing, I would already be writing. I'd already be doing it. And then her response was, don't worry about making a living out of it. Like for one, you're financially secure right now. And second, and just start writing and good things will happen. And, and then in this sort of like cosmic wink, she says to me, she's like, and I'm giving you a lot to write about. And I'm like, yeah, you, you certainly are. So, I mean, after that, yeah, after that first ceremony, I went to this mini Maloka, which was a smaller version of the building we were in. And it was situated at the jungle's edge with screened windows. And it was filled with all of this ayahuasca inspired art. So much of it looks like Pandora from the film Avatar. And uh, I've, I've later learned that the whole avatar crew and like james cameron they went down to the jungle like 20 years ago and uh drank ayahuasca so that film is largely inspired by ayahuasca and i mean the tree in it for anyone that remembers is called aya and she's like the source like deity of of the film avatar um i didn't even realize that that's amazing i'm gonna have to watch that again (laughs) yeah it's yeah and that movie did profound things for me when i saw it for the first time when it first came out and um so then i'm situated i'm sitting in this mini maloka and what I thought might have been the most challenging thing ever to articulate in words because I mean the experience shattered the paradigm of reality in which I formerly operate and showed me something so far beyond my wildest imagination that I didn't necessarily think I had the words to articulate what had happened during my ayahuasca experience and yet when I sat down to write it felt like some celestial waterfall was flowing from the heavens down through my mind through my body through my soul and just spewing words words out of my pen onto the page and I sat there and I wrote for eight consecutive hours 50 pages into my journal and my like my hand was failing because it was the first time I'd written pen to page in a long time since I normally type on my laptop and so after that eight hours and 50 pages I put the final period down and I closed my journal and I think to myself holy shit I, I got it and then wow. at that moment they shut off the electricity on the ceremonial grounds for the evening so then I just like <laughs> I walked back to my my bunk bed I'm like okay that, that, could, that could be kind of like a flow state as well like sort totally. of like a meditation state as well where you write and then you don't even think about it and you just just a complete flow state mm. totally so yeah and it was like you know it's like when typically when writing there might be a thought that escapes me or i might come to a blockage but that didn't happen once and actually now i'm just realizing this right now but i haven't it's been in that state for the two years since i've i've left the jungle like when i write it's it's always like that and um, I'm now able to like, like I'm working on my second book, which is Evolution: Burning Man, Psychedelics and the Evolution of Love. And when I sit down to write that, it just flows out of me. It's like I relive the experience in like a videographic memory type manner, like, all, like fully sensual as well. Like I, I feel the whole thing and then it's just like I'm doing it again. It's like I'm time traveling and then I'm just spitting the words out onto the page. And, um, and yeah, like each and every day right now, I mean, like when I come home at night, I oftentimes will try to write and just every day I'll be like 3000 words into this new book. So I mean, and then 
there's a lot of notes I have that I need to expand on, but I have like, it's already almost the length of my first book. And I haven't even expanded on like 75% of the things that I'm including. So it's going to be a much longer, much more involved story. And one that I think is going to be really powerful and helpful to a lot of people. And I, and I hope that it is because it's a, it's a truly beautiful story. So like back to your question of whether I'm feeling complete or like the journey's just beginning. It's like the journey's just beginning, but I'm coming from of completeness wholeness and peace wow michael thank you so much that was amazing yeah absolutely fantastic by the way michael as well i think obviously we'll end it now because it's gone it's going on for quite a long time <laughs> cool. it's, probably, it's probably going to be another podcast but we're not bothered about that because it's absolutely fantastic information mm. that needs to just be put cool. out there to people yeah the, vo- the volume of like of everything you've told us today like really expands people's minds and it's expanded hours we have already had an expanded mind but it's even expanded hours again to yeah. like search for this, this other realms exactly that's why that's why we're drawn we're drawn to people like you because you're on the same thinking as us mm-hmm. you might be a bit ahead of us but you know what i mean like we're getting we're, that's what that's the way the universe works in these mysterious ways because it's drawn us to you and that's what we love about it and something as well that i want to say as well michael was um Later on, we definitely want to get you back on, and we don't even want to talk about ayahuasca with you. Mm-hmm. We want to actually have a, have another spin on it, even talking about talking about consciousness or something like that later on. Cool. Yeah, man, yeah. I I love talking with you guys, and I, I yeah. think you're awesome. And I don't think either of us is ahead of each other. It's just we're just yeah. on dip, like slightly different paths, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, but I'm glad our paths have come entwined. Oh yeah, yeah me too. I'm I'm very yeah. grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got some we've got some great ideas what we want to do later on like because obviously we want to try and really like get more people like like yourself on the podcast and we want to like take this podcast in a completely different direction now because in, initially we're like one like, it was initially about more like health like nutrition and things like that mm-hmm. but, but now we're like our journey is expanding faster than the podcast and we, we need we can't keep touching on stuff like that when our consciousness is on a completely different level mm-hmm. I'm t- just talking about food and nutrition and we know that's part of it and that's part of the conscious journey because it was for us uh-huh. but we just need to completely just like take this to another level with people like yeah. yourself we need we need to put a imprint in people's minds that health in health is first and foremost mm-hmm. through your own conscious change you need to make the first change in your mind before you can truly make the steps where you need to look into nutrition where you need to look into exercise you need to look into your own mind and think Am I really going to commit myself to that action? Totally. And that's where we want to really change people's mindsets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I resonate with you guys. I resonate with you guys very deeply on that because I would say the six, like five or six years leading up to my ayahuasca ceremony, I was really focused on nutrition and health and dialing all those things in, mm-hmm. which are very important and almost a prerequisite to this mm-hmm. form of thinking because you need to get your physical vehicle into a space in which it can start functioning optimally so that your mind is then liberated to explore this expanded form of consciousness. So like you're, you guys are saying, I spent a lot of time researching that stuff, but now it's like, I don't really concern myself with the research of nutrition yeah, and yeah. health because I just let it intuitively flow. And like things in my nutrition and health have changed for the better. Just as an example, like I eat much less food than I used to. That's weird because I do um, as well. Yeah, I've said that didn't as well. I I used to eat loads. I exactly the same. Because I think I was in the sort of same mindset as you, where I was training. I was like, when, like you said it, like previous in the podcast where you said about you were just concentrating on, on getting your big back squat. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I was exactly the same, and I've sort of backed off from that loads now. 
and as well, I want to say as well, I want to give you a compliment as well because do you know when you on your videos on Instagram mm-hmm. where you were um, doing your dancing obviously with yeah. the movement section? Yeah. Obviously, I, when you you inspired us to start doing that, and it's absolutely amazing. I, saw... I can't explain yeah. it, but like when I seen you doing it, I, I could actually when I seen you obviously performing on Instagram doing the movements, I thought that looks absolutely fantastic. I'm going to try it. And I've been doing that every morning now as part of the morning routine, and it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, hard. It is, it's, some, it's completely something different. Yeah, it, it's hard to feel unhappy when you're dancing, that's for sure. Oh, definitely. And, like, definitely. I I pretty much dance every day. Like, now with Evolution, my reality has become one where I am celebrating as a career. And, like, that's my life, where I'm dancing and just celebrating and literally in the highest vibrating celebrations I've ever encountered like on a wavelength that feels even higher than Burning Man does for me and this is just like what we're doing now on a daily basis like we were at a business conference this past weekend called the Socialite Conference in Toronto where like Tony Robinson was speaking and Seth Godin and a lot of like entrepreneurial brilliant minds and we were one of the sponsors Love Evolution was and we set up a booth and we had like we had psychedelic and sacred geometry uh, tapestries around our booth we had two TV screens playing like super psychedelic like videos and like clips from like Burning Man and Avatar, but like beautifully edited together by one of the guys who works with us to create this like yeah. beautiful film. And then Justin was DJing. So we were like bringing this vibe to like this business conference. I wasn't even wearing a shirt for part of the day. Meanwhile, other people are wearing suits and stuff. And, yeah. um, and like I had a kimono on, but it just got so hot. And like people just kept coming up to us and being like, who are you guys? Like, what are you doing? And we watched like multiple people have a spiritual awakening right before our eyes because they just stepped into this love vibration and like this one guy said every question he had had his entire life was answered by spending like 20 minutes around us and it's not to say that like we're the only ones um with these abilities but it's just like a love vibration that when people can step into it awakens them and they they feel something that they've always longed for and that their soul recognizes as being authentic and true and valuable and yeah dancing man like it's i i've been doing it like every day now and like just back to the nutrition yeah, I've been eating less and like you know I used to be like really strict paleo and I ate low carb for a long time which I now intuitively understand was not a good idea for me to be super low carb like I needed more energy so like even just like this week I ate oatmeal for the first time and I responded so favorably to it you know whereas like I used to have these like parameters in place where it was like no you can't eat any grains and like it would just um it, it was actually inhibiting my health then yeah. so it's like yeah I, I totally empathize with what you guys are going through in terms of that like consciousness shift beyond the nutrition and health aspect yeah did, mm. did you uh, was matt was matt you met matt at the conference as well didn't you matt Belair. yeah you guys know oh, matt he's, oh yeah he's absolutely... yeah we had a podcast with him he was our second guest oh yeah. man great, great episode really well, great we're having episode. we're gonna we're actually we're gonna have we're doing a four-part episode with matt as well soon oh wow because mm. yeah matt's like a really like we become like brothers in the last week and two weeks now uh he just oh, called me out of the blue because uh yeah man so he was over at my house l- later that night like he slept over um oh, wow. after that and dude so there's also this interesting thing happening with sleep so like um i used to also be of the mind that like i needed to be getting nine hours of sleep every single night whereas now it's a much more intuitive flow state so like two weeks ago i was sleeping nine hours every night and then last week over the course of eight days i had zero full sleeps and about and i had seven naps that were like three to four hours 
but I was operating on such like a, like a fantastic wavelength and like doing these levolutions and celebrating and dancing and feeling so wonderful. But just like recognizing that a lot of the rules we put in place are just, they're just ideas we have that aren't necessarily the truth. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, Michael, well, thank you so much for your time today. Except that was it's been absolutely a pleasure to do it again with you. Yeah, thanks, guys. All, all right, guys, it was a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, you, you too. too. Thank you. Okay. Have a, have a, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, Michael. See you guys. Bye.
Thank you for taking time out to listen. Head over to beastified.com for other previous episodes. And while you're at it, tell a friend about the podcast. Let's keep pushing forward as human beings. And together, we can improve this experience and enjoy this journey.